Happy April Fools. Happy, happy Easter. Happy whatever that is. Uh, how many used to love April Fools growing up when you were a kid? I, I thought I thought this would be a good play on on the on the uh, the unofficial holiday. April Fools is is the real deal. All of us have been looking for a real deal in life, and we all hate when we get tricked, don't we? We we hate it, Natalie, when we open the box and nothing was in there. They're like, "What kind of deal is this? This is not the real deal. This is not a good deal at all." And thankfully, our kind host gave you some Taco Bell, which I I don't know if you like that price either, but. <laughs> There are some donuts, uh, other stuff out there. You know, I mean, this this the holiday where, like, the malicious are justified on April Fool's, you know? When I was in middle school, I, I was always justified to do, uh, like, crazy things. It, I was a crazy person anyway, just to let you know. And this was the one day the crazy got to come out. And uh, and I definitely take it too far. And so hopefully we won't take it too far today. Um, that's what we're praying. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20 is where we'll be this morning as we read the resurrection story story here in just a moment. But I want I want to talk a little bit about just just the deal and the real deal and fake deals and all sorts of deals. I, I remember being a kid and I remember going to the Petroleum Museum. I, I grew up in Midland in Odessa, Texas. Whoop yeah two people from from <laughs> Midland Odessa. Thank you. And uh, so I grew up there going to the Petroleum Museum, and we'd see everything. And, and with the geology, we would study all these rocks and look at these rocks. And there was one rock that I would hone in on. This one rock happened to be shiny, and it was fool's gold. It was fool's gold. Now, I didn't realize it was fool's gold. I just thought it was gold. And I used my month of allowance to buy this rock, and all of a sudden, I thought I was rich. Was I the only one fooled? As a kid, I, I remember grabbing this thing and I would tuck it into the drawer. I would look at it from time to time. I would tell the neighbors all about the gold that I had in the bottom of my drawer. And, and it was exciting. It was awesome until that that idea, that thought of that this brought promise came into question by the older kids on the neighborhood. You know what I mean? The older kids who ruin everything. You know, the older brother and sister tell you what you're getting for Christmas because they went with mom and dad to buy it and they ruined the surprise. Those kids are the kids that I don't like today. So I, I, would, I, would, take, I would take this fool's gold and, and it just, it was not the real deal. And I later came to find out and I didn't believe them at first, right? I, I didn't believe them at first. And so I had to, I had to go through some processes. And, and I just want to tell you, Easter is a deal. Easter is a deal that was made for you and me. Easter is the real deal, as I'm going to hopefully make a case for today, is that Easter is the real deal. Jesus, when he came, he came um, through, through Mary, and he was the promised Messiah, and he was um, the fulfillment of John's promise, that, that John 1, 29, where John would say, the next day he saw Jesus come towards him, and he said, Behold! It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He, he was saying that this is the Lamb of God. That, that, was a, that was a promise that he was going to take away the sins of the world. Now, that claim has been made throughout time over and over again that there is one person who comes up and they're going to be the Messiah. They're going to be the resurrected one. They're going to be the one who takes away the sins of the world. But John said it so matter-of-factly, and he believed it so muchly, and he started making that declaration to everybody around and everybody that came to see this this 
person who was going to take away the sins of the world. Not an impressive person. You wouldn't even recognize him if he was in a crowd. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't taller, uh, head and, and shoulders taller than everybody else. He was just average. He was just average. And then this person that John talked about, Jesus, made some claims too. He started making some promises as well. He started talking about the deal that he was going to make. And John 10, 10, he said that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. There, there's a real enemy who's come to steal everything you are, everything you possess, and he's came to, to destroy you. But I came. Everybody say, I came. There you go. I may have, I may have life and life abundantly. Life abundantly. That's why he came. So what What a promise, right? What a deal. I came so that you can have life to the full, is another translation, to the full, that you would have life to the full. Well, that that's fascinating because I'm already breathing. I already can think. I, I, I have blood. I have, I have different things that keep me tick. What is he talking about? John chapter 3, we read the story about Nicodemus who asked the same question. Uh, Jesus, uh, what, what must I do to be enter into the kingdom of God? What must I do to meet this deal? He said, you must be born again. Uh, born again? How, how am I supposed to be born again? Am I supposed to literally call up in my mother's womb and be birthed out again? Is that what is supposed to happen? That's graphic for everyone. Ooh, cover the ears. Okay, earmuffs. But anyway, like, what must I do? Like, this does not make sense. I can't comprehend such a statement, nor anybody else could, because it seemed too good to be true. It's a deal that seemed too good to be true. And it, Jesus talks to Nicodemus, and he says in 3.16 of, of John, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. They should not perish, but they'll have life to the full. They'll have eternal life. That, that it won't just be full now, but it'll be full after now. It will be, it will be forevermore. Life abundantly that would start in me now, but life that would continue on in me. This was a deal that not many can make. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to make a real deal, there has to be a real commitment. There has to be a real commitment. How many know that's true in life? How many of you ever, ever had a deal, but there was no commitment behind the deal? Right? You had, you had a promise, but there was no, they didn't keep up their promise. If I make you a deal to come be an employee of the employer, then I'm going to give you a salary package. There's going to be a package that's given to you. Here's the deal. How many of you know if it's the 15th or the 1st of the month and the deal turns bad, how many of you know I'm walking? Right? I'm walking. Like, where's my paycheck? How am I supposed to provide for things? This is a bad deal. You have a commitment to make, and there's a real commitment that will be made. And so Jesus was saying, there is a real commitment. And so everybody say this. I don't want a fake deal. I want a real deal. Okay, look at your neighbor. I don't want a fake deal. I want the real deal. We don't want a fake deal. We want a real deal. Not only is there a commitment with a deal, that a deal is being negotiated, and there's a commitment from two parties and two sides, but there has to be legitimate follow-through in order for the deal to happen, isn't there? There has to be a legitimate follow-through. The deal has to be lit. That's what the young people say. <laughs> the deal has to be lit. John 15, 13. 
Greater love has no one than this, than someone to lay down his life for his friends. You see, I'm going to give you life abundantly. I love you with all my heart. I love you forevermore. I love you truly. That I am going to commit to you to walk this out. And I'm making all these promises, but no greater love than this, no greater deal than this, than one who would lay down his life for a friend. So this past week, we talked about Good Friday. Good Friday was a a dark day. It was a day where this man was making all these promises, making all these proclamations, giving all these deals out. And he had a following, a following of 12, a following of 72, a following of 120, and even a following of 5,000. There was a following that followed this man around. And as he started telling about the deals and the promises and what he was capable to do, he was displaying it. He was making good on some of those deals by raising the sick, healing the blind, making the deaf hear. People started saying, well, maybe this guy can give life and life to the full. Maybe it is possible. And as they followed this man, Jesus, as they followed him, there was a dark day because because the deal looked like it was about to run out, didn't it? The deal looked like it was up. You see, you see, I was going to establish my kingdom. I'm going to establish this kingdom. I'm going to give you life and life to the full. And as I do that, as I give you life to the full, there's going to be a great kingdom that you're going to enter. And in this kingdom, there's going to be many rooms. And in this kingdom, there's going to be a place for your head and for my head and for our head. There's going to be a place where we can lay down. There's going to be a place where we can retreat, a place of refuge. It's going to be an amazing kingdom. And on that day, it looked like the kingdom ended. It looked like the kingdom ended. You see, the one who proclaimed to be king, the one who proclaimed a lot of promise, the one who claimed who would have a great deal was actually caught. Whoa, how are you supposed to fulfill your deal now that you're caught? I've seen you do some miracles. I've seen you do some signs. I've seen you do some wonders. I've seen you raise people up. I think you can redeem yourself. I think you can do this. I think you can get out of the situation as he's up on the cross, breathing his last breath. It looks like the deal's about to run out. Looks like it's over. Jesus, if if you are the son of God, get down from there. That's what people were saying. I bet that's what the disciples were hoping. Jesus, don't let the deal run out. In that moment, he breathed his last breath, and the sheep scattered without a shepherd. The disciples went into hiding. They were afraid because this man who brings so much promise, this man who was given their direction for how to live for three years, he gave them specific direction, daily living. How many of you know we need some daily living in life? Have you ever tried to live this life on your own accord or your own agenda, and you found that it was a little disappointing? You felt like, man, I was trying to live this thing, but it just felt like the deal was running out. It felt like it wasn't happening for me. 
A lot of people come to church, and I, I appreciate those who are guests with us this morning and checking out Luminous for the first time. But we come to church, and, and we, we placed our hope and our faith in this church. We placed our hope and faith in maybe a connect group, a small group, maybe somebody who claimed to love Jesus, maybe somebody like that. But, but, but then there was like this betrayal moment. There was this moment where I felt like, hey, man, you didn't live up to the deal. You were supposed to love me. You were supposed to serve me. You were supposed to help me. I, I thought there was hopeful. I thought there was going to be life here. And now there's gossip. I was working with the Ignite team, and, and I was working with that person, and they had bad breath every day, and I just can't go there anymore. You know, whatever it is, whatever it is, or maybe it's more legitimate. I, I had this commitment. I made this covenant. I did these things, and as I did these things, the, 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 the deal didn't end up like Jesus said it was going to end up. It, it fell flat. It fell short. Now I'm disappointed. I want to tell you, life can be full of disappointments, full of ups and downs, twists and turns. It can be full of it. You begin to think, like, is this real? Is this real? And we all have questions. Is this real? Well, what I love about John chapter 20, you have Mary. And Mary is a woman full of faith. She's full of faith because she saw God, she saw Jesus do the miraculous. She, she saw Jesus raise a dead man to life after four days. She had a little bit of faith that maybe what he said, that I would rise again. Maybe, just maybe, I'll rise again. But if not, at least I could go and bring some spices and honor this man who saved my brother. Honor this man who had so much promise. Honor this man who was so amazing and lived a life that I couldn't live, want to live, should live, but can't. So she goes to the tomb, and in John chapter 20, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter. <laughs> I love that. That was John. And reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. Because I have to see this for myself. You see, I just denied this man three times. I just turned my back on him. I, I was actually broken and confused and lost. I'd have to go see this myself. He saw the linen cloth lying there in the face of the cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in its place by itself. It's such a custom that I will return. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. Well, what is this? How is the tomb empty? What's happening? The scriptures have not fully been revealed to them. They're still trying to understand it, grasp it. They still have questions. And I just want to let you know that the church is a place for your questions. 
A church is a place where you still have questions. You're still wondering, how does this work? How did their marriage work out? How did they save their life? How did their business get resurrected? How did these things start happening for them? How do they do well? How do they go to laundromats and love people ridiculously well? How do they do this stuff? I I just want to know. I just want to know. And so you have questions. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and she wept. She stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Don't you hate that? Somebody tells you quit crying. My wife tells me quit crying all the time (laughs) about stuff I shouldn't be crying about. Don't cry about stuff you shouldn't cry about. She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She returned and said to him in Aramaic, Aramaic, Rabbani. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, that he has said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. He has revealed himself. On the evening of the day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I love this. Because Jesus is often referred to as the prince of peace. He's the bringer of peace. He's going to bring peace in any storm, in any doubt, in any hopeless situation. Jesus is going to bring supernatural peace that surpasses you and mine's understanding. Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't want a fake deal. I want the real deal. I don't want a fake deal. I want the real deal. I want a real deal. I want the real Jesus. I want what Jesus promised. I want what Jesus said. But without the resurrection and without this moment, it's not a real deal. A lot of us grew up in a church where Jesus was on a cross and we saw the crucifixion of Jesus wherever we went. And I'm going to tell you, that's a great picture. That's the picture of atonement. That's the picture that your price has been paid. But there's a greater picture and the picture is an empty cross. A cross where the Jesus is resurrected. If you're only seeing Jesus is crucified, you're missing half the picture. You have to see that Jesus is in heaven next to the Father making intercession for you and me on our behalf so that we can communicate to the Father. So we have access to God. It's why the veil was torn. The veil separated the Holy of Holies from everybody else. But when Jesus came, 
And he died. When he died, when he did that, the veil was torn, symbolizing that we get access to the Father. We get access to relationship. And he hears our questions. He hears what we're asking. Without a resurrection, there is no salvation. Without a resurrection, there is no salvation in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 15. And let me ask you something profound yet troubling. You became believers because you trusted the proclamation that Christ is alive, risen from the dead. How can you let people say that there is no such thing as a resurrection? There's no resurrection. There's no living Christ. And face it, there's no resurrection for Christ. Everything we told you is smoke and mirrors. Not only that, but we would be guilty of telling a string of barefaced lies about God. All these affidavits we passed on to you, verifying that God raised up Christ. Sheer fabrications. There's no resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is no hope. Without the resurrection, there is no promise. You know, the thing is, if you have a real deal, not only is there a commitment, right? Not only is there a legitimate fulfillment, but it also passes the test. A real commitment will pass the test. I'll never forget when my friends told me my fool's gold was fake. They're like, that's fake. No, it's not. It's real. I promise you it's real. And then here came the doubts. And the doubts became some testing. Started biting it and my teeth fell apart, you know, because it's hard. <laughs> Started scratching it. Found out it wasn't gold, it's silver. Threw it down, broke it apart, shattered it in pieces. And I realized it wasn't the real deal. It didn't live up. Not that I realized until later when I was in ninth grade that our teacher, after we went to a trip to Washington, D.C., bought us all a coin, a half-ounce gold coin. And I was like, oh, that's what gold is like. I finally understood gold. Jesus was the real deal, and he passed the test. And we see in John chapter 20, verse 24, now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Well, where was Thomas? Everybody else is hanging out, and Thomas is all by himself, hanging out, lonely. You know what I find out? You know, in our questions and our wondering and all the question marks, sometimes we isolate ourselves. Sometimes we kind of leave the group, we kind of one foot in, one foot out, we're going wherever, whenever. When the group's just all together trying to figure this out, and they kind of missed, Thomas kind of missed out, didn't he? Kind of missed out, Jesus just showed up, he showed us the, the hole in his side and the hole in his feet, and, and Thomas says this, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands and mark of the nails, and placed my finger into the mark of the nails and placed my hand into his side, I will never believe until I do that. What I love about this, it was a question. It was a question. Jesus, I want to see the hole in your side. I want to see the nails in your hands and feet. I, I want to see it. It's a question. But what does Jesus do with Thomas? Eight days later, Jesus left Thomas waiting for eight days. We get mad when Jesus leaves us hanging for eight minutes. 
Jesus, should I buy this car? Should I, Jesus, should I do this? Jesus, should I do that? Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. All the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I've answered your questions. See, Jesus, here's your questions. Here's all the questions that you have. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Truth is, a lot of us have questions in here. You and I have questions, and you and I probably have the same question. Now, Jesus, I want to do that too. I want to put the hand in your side. I want to put my hand in those nail marks. I, I, want, I want the answers, Jesus. And Jesus says, the way that you love one another, people will know. The way that you go into the city to love people who are far from me, people will know. The way that you do this life and the way that you've seen my provision and my hand and in your darkest moment, you knew I was there. You knew I was breathing on you in your pain and in your suffering. You will know. Easter has a tendency for us to drift every week, year in, year out. We come in on Easter Sunday, and it's amazing, and we love Jesus. And, and then tomorrow we forget about the balloons. We forget about the empty tomb. We forget about so much because life drifts you from hour to hour, day to day, moment to moment. We drift so much. We're disappointed and things come and we thought it was going to be one way, but it's a different way. We had this expectation, we missed that expectation. So my wife and I stayed up too late last night making a Pinterest graph. So we stayed up late, late, late last night making a Pinterest craft and poor first service, they heard a really tired message. But we, we just knew that people drift. And people put their things in false hope, a hope that disappoints. But Jesus and his hope and the resurrection of who he is has no disappointments, no regrets, no setbacks, no turnbacks. That, that whatever you're going through is yet your greatest days are still ahead. They're still ahead. We believe that. We know it. And he promised it. So we made a cross. We made a cross as a craft way late last night. And I'm like, I don't know why we're making this. But, but the truth was is when I was a kid, I believed in fool's gold. When I was a kid, I believed maybe in some false things, some empty things. But I wanted to tell you today that Jesus is the real deal. 
He's the real deal, and we wanted to give you this cross made out of 24 karat gold leaf that we just made for you to know that you're worth it. You're worth the real deal. You're worth, you're worth all its weight in gold and more. You're worth the price that Jesus has paid. And when you doubt it, and when you get frustrated, when you forget it this week, put this wherever you see it and just remember, man, I was worth it. You were worth it. You were worth it. it. It's two sides, two sides of the story. Yes, Jesus came. He died. He crucified. He was raised again. To, so God gets glory. It was all about Jesus. It will always be about Jesus. But it was about you too. See, when Jesus was on his, the cross taking his last breath, not only did he recognize the father, he recognized the robber. He recognized the one that was right next to him. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus has not forgot you. Would you stand with me so I could pray for you this morning? And I would ask that you would take a posture of prayer by closing your eyes and bowing your head if you're willing this morning. I'd love to pray for two people this morning. The first one who's never placed their faith in Jesus Christ. They've never placed their faith in the substance of Jesus, that he is who he says he is. He lived a life that I couldn't live perfect and holy and became the sacrifice. So in a great exchange for my life for his life and he breathed life into me and I want to follow him the rest of my days and I've never made that but I want to declare that today I want to follow Jesus would you raise your hand so I can pray for you thank you for the next group that I want to pray for those who've been disappointed been disappointed made something into fool's gold Maybe you're disappointed in a marriage. Maybe you're disappointed in a job. Maybe you've been disappointed this year. Maybe you forgot the cross, but you just need some prayer. Would you raise your hand so I can pray some faith over you this morning? Can we pray some faith over everyone this morning? God, we love you. We praise you. God, we thank you for those who are making a decision for Jesus. And we pray for those right now, God, who say, I'm hurting. I've been disappointed. I forgot the purpose. I forgot what you did, Jesus. I forgot that you're risen. I forgot that you paid the price. I I've been hurt. I've been discouraged. I've been having a setback. But God, I'm praying, Lord, for the greatest setup in their life. God, that you would come and invade them and that you would become a big deal right now. Jesus, that you would flood their mind and flood their heart and flood their soul, that you you would be the real deal, that you would become so big, God, that it almost feels like they are touching your side and touching those nails, that they're almost doing that, Lord. I pray that you would do this today. Bless your church. Bless your church this morning. Father, we thank you for the resurrection of your son. It's because of that we live in Jesus' name.